Hello and welcome to Appearance Matters, the podcast, the appearance psychology podcast brought to you by the Centre for Appearance Research, a world-leading research centre based at the University of the West of England in Bristol, investigating everything related to how we look. I'm Nadia. And I'm Jade. And today we're going to be talking about the somewhat complex relationship between exercise and body image. Right, so you've got on one hand, exercise can help improve body image, while on the other, for some people, exercise can be a form of punishment as a means of trying to control how their body looks and feels. Completely. In addition, body image concerns can act as a barrier to people exercising in the first place. Yeah, so you've got a bit of a catch-22 situation going on. Exercise might help you feel better about your body, but because you're unhappy with it, it can be difficult to benefit from exercise and enjoy it. Exactly. So today we're going to talk about some of the ways we can break this cycle. Yep, and to help us, we're going to be joined by Tanya Joseph, former director of business partnerships at Sport England, an architect of the phenomenally successful This Girl Can campaign. And we're also going to be joined by friend of the podcast, Dr Jessica Lever, a body image researcher from Maastricht University who is an expert in positive body image and body functionality. Excellent, can't wait. Although Jade, I feel like we might have to do some stretches and preparations for this episode. <laughs> I think you might be right, Nadia. It would be awful if we were to pull a muscle in all that excitement. Oh, terrible. <laughs> exercise, I think we are all familiar with the physical benefits exercise can bring. Right, we know that regular exercise is good for cardiovascular health. So good circulation for example. Regular exercise also helps strengthen muscles. Which is useful for mobility and protecting against injury. And regular exercise, weight bearing exercise in particular, is helpful in developing and maintaining bone density. Most of us are also aware of the mental health and well-being benefits associated with regular exercise including reduced anxiety and depression, improved self-esteem and concentration, and better quality of sleep. The concentration thing is a big one for me. (laughs) And me. (laughs) But but what is perhaps less clear-cut is how exercise can help improve our body image. That is, how we think about how our body looks and feels. Yes, and where the relationship between exercise and body image gets complicated is that we are often sold the idea that exercise is a means to transform, sculpt or slim down our bodies rather than exercise being a way to connect with and care for our bodies. 
Right, and I don't want to spend too long on this, but I think this is where hashtag Fitspiration images that we see on social media are problematic. Uh, they're so focused on appearance, quote-unquote, benefits or hashtag gains mm. of appearance that they can make people feel less confident about their bodies and actually put some people off exercising because they don't look like those fitness idealised images of really ripped, hyper-lean or stacked young people. Also, they're often accompanied by messages about disciplining yourself and like pushing through feelings of discomfort alongside a heavy focus on willpower, which is not necessarily compatible with like body acceptance, self-compassion and positive body image. I have feelings about this, can you tell? <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I think it's important you brought it up though, Nadia, as I don't think we can talk about exercise and body image without at least touching on Fitspiration or Fitspo. Just looking on Instagram on my phone right now, the hashtag Fitspo has over 46 million posts and Fitspiration has nearly 13 million. Wow. Well, to get a sense of what these images are like, Marika Tigerman and Mia Zaccardo, these are body image researchers from Flinders University in Australia. Yeah, they published a content analysis last year on Fitspiration images on Instagram and found that most of these images were, as we said, of thin, very toned women or very lean and muscular men. They also noted that images were often pose shots or zoomed in on just one area of the body, like the stomach or the arms. And although these images are supposed to inspire fitness, hence the term inspiration, only a quarter reflected people actually doing any exercise. Mm, suspicious. Exactly. Um, so in body image language, we say that these images are objectifying because they focus on an external view of the body or body parts as an object, rather than a holistic view of the body that includes function. And we know that viewing objectifying images can lead to increased feelings of body dissatisfaction. Yes, we were going to come back to objectification later in the episode, but sticking with Fitzbo for a few more minutes, a study published this year, led by Lily Robinson, also from Flinders University in Australia, found that viewing fitness idealised images increased body image concerns in the short term. And here is where it gets really interesting. Although the women in the sample said that they were inspired to exercise more after viewing the images, this did not translate to actual increased exercise in real life. So essentially, in addition to making women feel bad about their bodies, viewing Fitzbo images didn't actually motivate them to exercise. Which suggests these kind of Fitzbo images we see are not really fitness inspiration. Exactly, and which leads us nicely onto our first guest, Tanya Joseph, former director of business partnerships at Sport England and architect of the hugely successful This Girl Can campaign. Sport England, by the way, is an executive non-departmental public body sponsored by the UK government's Department for Digital, Culture, Media and Sport. Tanya will explain more about the campaign in the interview, but especially for our international listeners, the campaign was an initiative launched by Sport England in 2015 to get more women moving, exercise and into sports. There have been two main adverts, both of which were made by the advertising agency FCB Inferno. The 2015 ad was set to Missy Elliott's Get Your Freak On. Get Your Freak On, sorry, <laughs> just had to do that. Okay, and the other was released earlier this year to the voice of the late Mayor Angeli reciting her 1978 poem, Phenomenal Women. Just watching it gives me full body chills every time I see it. You might have noticed that we are playing the audio from the ads throughout this episode. With permission, of course. Of course, but if you haven't seen the videos, we will link to them in the show notes. Yes, I highly recommend having a look. And in contrast to the Fitzway images we were talking about earlier, 
The campaign features lots of different body types, as well as different ages and abilities, and shows women actually engaging in different types of physical activity, rather than just posing passively in active wear. For example, in the 2015 ad, we see women between 14 and 40, and in the 2017 ad, their age ranges between 14 to 60. We also see women moving, sweating and out of breath. So they don't look like the usual fitbo images that we see on social media. They look like what most of us actually look like when we're exercising. And importantly, they look like they're having fun. The campaign has been hugely successful, inspiring some 2.8 million women in the UK to engage in a more active lifestyle. So if you want to see some real fitspiration on social media, try using the hashtag ThisGirlCan. Right, so let's hear from Tanya, the woman who made it all happen and really is quite phenomenal herself. Among other things, Tanya runs her own consultancy firm, is the chair of The Pool, an incredible digital content platform for women, and is the vice chair of The Fawcett Society, the UK's leading campaign for gender equality. And, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but she has a sister called Nadia, which, you know, delighted me. Of course it did. (laughs) Hi Tanya, thank you so much for joining me on Appearance Matters, the podcast. It's a pleasure. Great, we're talking about exercise and body image today and when I was thinking about the contents of this episode, This Girl Can truly was one of the first things that came to mind and I actually heard you talk about the campaign at an event on body image last November in 2016, so it feels kind of special to be speaking to you about it today. So first question, can you um, tell me a little bit about the story behind This Girl Can, like what inspired the campaign? Thanks for having me, first of all. Um, this girl cam came about because um, I was working for Sport England, which is the government agency responsible for getting people active. And when I got there, we weren't doing any communication direct to consumers. And yet the organization's success was judged entirely on how many people were active. So it seemed to be this real disconnect between what we were, in, what we were meant to be doing that getting people active and actually telling them that we wanted them to, to get active. And I was able to do the campaign because there is this massive gender gap in sport. So at its worst, the difference between the number of women doing sport and exercise every week compared to men is 2 million fewer women getting active every week compared to men. And that's a really, really stark and big number. Um, and there are loads and loads of public policy reasons why you want women active, but the, the fact of the matter is that fewer were in the matter what we were doing. So talking to people, telling them, you think about the number of times you open a magazine and there's, there's uh, messaging, exhorting people to get active. Doctors are talk, telling you all the time. Gyms are selling you this image of, of being active and being happy. And all of those things. We ha- also had London 2012. And in spite of the fact that our um, women athletes had done really well, still, it still hadn't persuaded more, more women to take up activity. That, that gender gap persisted and was really stubborn. So we need to do something to direct consumers to get women to be active. Great. I didn't realise the gap was that big. So what did you feel some of the main barriers were when it came to um, women exercising and maybe more to the point enjoying exercise? Well, that was the interesting thing, because although there are these, you know, two million fewer women playing sport or being active every week, 70% of them were telling us that they'd really like to do it. 
So you then say, well, what's stopping you? And body image was one of the three recurring themes that kept coming up. So women just feeling uncomfortable about how, how they look. They're feeling too fat or too thin, um, really, really being uncomfortable in their own skin. It was, it was really, really interesting. So no matter what the age of the women, you know, so we were talking to girls as young as 14 and much older women, all of them feeling really uncomfortable. And, you know, you look at them and you think you have no reason to feel bad about yourself, but yet they did. There are also a load of feelings around their ability, so women not feeling like they that they, they knew the rules or that they weren't fit enough to get fit. Or in some cases, actually, I really want to play and I want to be competitive, but um, people think badly of me. And then another set of, uh, sort of another theme was around priorities, especially for women with caring responsibilities, then feeling like if they had any time to exercise, they really ought to be spending it on, you know, their family responsibilities. So looking after their children or their parents or spending time, you know, with their loved ones. But body image was a really, really constant thing that lots and lots and lots of women talked to us about. Right. So how did Sport England address the issue of body image in the advertising campaign for This Girl Can? Um, well, we decided to make sure that in the campaign that we reflected what is normal, you know. So we had the women in, who feature in the campaign, and they are regular women. They're not actors or models or elite athletes, they're regular women that we found up and down the country in sports centres and supermarkets and um, parks being active. And they are all shapes and sizes. And we have from, you know, quite small women to quite big women and everything in between because we really wanted to show that it doesn't matter what, you know, the fact of the matter is we come in all different shapes and sizes and some of us are really, really good. And most of us are really, really rubbish. And that none of that really matters. The point is that you're a woman and you're doing something. And that's what we should be celebrating. And the campaign is really, you know, the focus of the campaign is to celebrate the fact that, as I say, it doesn't matter what shape you are, it doesn't matter your level of ability. Let's celebrate the fact you're being active and you're doing it today. I don't really care if you didn't do it yesterday and you're not going to manage to do it today. Applaud yourself for doing it today. So um, the campaign This Girl Can was a tremendous success and has inspired millions of women in the UK to exercise. Why do you think the campaign was so successful and has been? Um, I think it was successful because we really hit on something which resonated with women. So those three areas that women felt most uncomfortable about, so their body, their abilities and their priorities, when you look at it, actually, there, there there's a a common thread there and that's about a fear of judgment what these women were really telling us and saying to themselves is that I don't want to put myself in a position where um, I'm going to be judged negatively or where I, I'm going to judge myself negatively and it turns out that that fear of judgment is something that women feel and it really 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 resonated so with women who were you know as far as I'm concerned incredibly active and have extraordinary bodies um, you know, some professional athletes that we talked to felt like that too. But regular women, everyone kind of, when you spoke to them about it, they said, oh, yeah, no, that's exactly how I feel. And we touched on, I think, basically a universal theme. And I also think the fact that we we didn't use celebrities, that we used regular women, um, women that our audience could say, yeah, that's a woman like me. You know, she she looks like someone like I could be, she could be me, she could be my sister, she could be my girlfriend, my mum, my daughter, you know, there was that kind of everyday feeling about it. 
And I think we didn't use preachy language. We, you know, the, the language of the campaign is very chatty, sassy. It's a really nice tone of voice. And we don't ever say to women, you must do this. You must exercise. You must look this way. You must do it in this way. What we were doing was saying to women, hey, look, lots of people feel like you do. And here are some examples of women who have found their own way through that fear of judgment. That's what makes the campaign successful. Um, and then I only really have one more question, actually. And that's, what, was there anything that surprised you in terms of the reaction to the campaign? I was incredibly surprised, really, but not necessarily about the response that we got in in England, because, you know, we did did our homework, we tested it a lot, we spoke to a load of women. But, you know, it was very much a campaign for this market, if you like. And what I hadn't anticipated is that it would would resonate with women across the world. So, you know, we, we got emails, we got postings on social, from women all over this planet saying, we love this campaign, this, this is exactly how I feel. You know, women in Brazil, who, I, who are for me are the epitome of body-confident women, turns out feel like we do. You know, women in countries which, which, you know, the campaign has a really, I think has a really British sense of humour to it, but it, that, it kind of went beyond that. So, you know, I got feedback from women in, in Vietnam and in India and... South Africa and even, you know, parts of the Middle East. And it really hit home there. And that's that I had not anticipated at all. And it has been extraordinary. I know that um, the campaign's been taken up, formally been taken up in in um, parts of Australia. But there's a project very similar to it going on in, in Brazil. Across the world, people have been using the campaign to motivate and inspire women to get active. And that's been surprising and really, really amazing really fantastic i didn't know that either so that's a a brilliant way to end this little interview so thank you so much for joining us on the podcast it's been a real pleasure thanks nadia oh i feel inspired all over again Which reminds me to tell you, Jade, after the interview, I spoke to Tanya for a few minutes more, and she was telling me about women who had been inspired after the campaign, not just to exercise, but also to try something else out, like creative writing or art. So it's been really empowering all around. And I don't know, but I personally think a big part of that is women seeing women that look more like them. And so they're people that they can relate to and identify with. So it's inspiring. Hmm, I thought you felt inspired because she has a sister called Nadia. I mean, that too, well. (laughs) Okay, Nadia, we've spoken about how body image can be a barrier to exercise and how showing inclusive and realistic images can help to inspire women to exercise. But yet we haven't got on to how exercise can improve people's body image. Good point. On it. Um, So in 2011, psychologists Jesse Menzel and Michael Levine put forward an embodiment model of positive body image, whereby engaging in embodying activities that connect your mind and body, such as exercise, can enhance body confidence. According to this model, when you're connecting with your body through exercise and movement, you're less likely to self-objectify your body, which we know to be a risk factor for body dissatisfaction. We discuss self-objectification in more detail in our popular Feminism and Body Image episode, episode 16. But briefly, self-objectification is when you internalise how someone else might perceive your body, so an outsider's view of your body as an object to be looked at, where the focus is very much on appearance rather than the function of the body. 
Right, so how embodiment works is that through exercise, movement and activity, you focus less on the appearance of your body and more on its function, ability and strength. The embodiment model is supported by researchers Andrew, Clark and Tigman 2016, who found that engaging in physical activity predicted greater body appreciation. Remember, body appreciation refers to the feelings of love and respect of the body, which is often used as a proxy for positive body image in academic research. Yes, and importantly, this study found that women's relationship with their body was mediated by lower levels of self-objectification. This means that engaging in physical activity led to greater body appreciation via a reduction in self-objectification. Researchers have found support for the embodiment model of positive body image among dancers. For example, female street dancers, modern dancers and belly dancers report having a more positive body image as measured by body appreciation compared to non-dancers. So interesting. We could talk about dance and body image for ages. We could always do a special episode on it. Hmm, good idea. But in the interest of time, and on this idea of embodiment and exercise, I think what's important for now is detaching appearance from exercise. And I think coaches or teachers can have a huge role here in terms of how they talk about exercise in the body. For example, Lottie, my dance teacher, is amazing and she talks about strength and power and owning your body all the time. And it's never really about appearance. For example, when we do core strengthening work, it's never about getting abs. It's about needing a strong core to be able to do the moves or prevent injury. We're never told what we should look like or what we should aspire to. It makes a big difference. It definitely does. Right, we've covered a lot and I think it's time to get on to our second guest. Totally. But, just quickly, I think it's really important to stress that we're not saying that it's as simple as as if, if you exercise, your body image will automatically improve. It might for some people, but for others, we know that for many people with eating disorders or really severe body image concerns, they might use exercise obsessively as a means to control their weight. For example, research by Ivanka Pritchard and Marika Tigman, published in 2008, found that women exercising for appearance reasons, rather than health and well-being, was linked to higher levels of body dissatisfaction, disordered eating and low self-esteem. And that's why it'll be great to hear from Dr Jessica Lever now as she has designed an intervention to help women with body image concerns to focus on their body functionality so they will feel more embodied and less critical of their bodies. Yes, and I'll also get her to explain body functionality and how it relates to body appreciation. Perfect. Dr. Jessica Lever is a Canadian researcher currently based at the University of Maastricht in the Netherlands and has been a visiting research fellow at the Centre for Appearance Research over the past year, working on a prestigious Rubicon research grant. Jess was recognised this year by the Distinguished Women Scientist Fund in the Netherlands as a leading researcher. She has published in top international academic journals and is one of the world leading experts in body functionality and body image research. Another phenomenal guest. Amazing. (laughs) Aren't we lucky? Hi Jess, thanks so much for joining us on Appearance Matters, the podcast. Thank you for having me. Great, so we're talking about exercise and body image, and I feel like body functionality is a really important part of that conversation. So luckily for us, body functionality is one of your research specialties, so it'll be really great to hear more about the work that you're doing in this area. To start off with, can you explain what the difference is between body appreciation and body functionality? Yeah, so body functionality basically describes everything that your body is able to do um, rather than how your body looks. And from our research, we've shown that body functions tend to fall into six different domains. 
So there's physical capacities. So for example, using your body, you can walk or swim. Um, there's internal processes, so your body can digest food and absorb vitamins, um, bodily senses and sensations like sight and smell and experiencing pleasure. There's creative endeavors like drawing and singing and self-care. So for instance, using your body, you can uh, bathe or eat. And the last domain is communication with other people. So using your body, you can um, express yourself or communicate using body language or making eye contact with other people. Um, and one thing that's important to mention on the topic of body functionality is that it's not limited to able-bodied individuals. So, for mm -hmm. example, if you can't walk, for example, that doesn't mean that you don't have a functional body because it has all these different uh, domains and different functions. Um, so in terms of the difference between body functionality and body appreciation, I would say that body appreciation is an aspect of positive body image. So it's characterized by appreciating the features and functionality and health of your body. So someone, for example, with high levels of body appreciation would be very appreciative of the unique features of their appearance, regardless, I guess, of whether they adhere to the beauty ideal, but would also appreciate the things that their body can do. So I would say body functionality is an aspect that's um, kind of captured by body appreciation. So appreciating right. functionality as well as other aspects of your body. Right, that's a really helpful way to think about it. And I really like those six domains that you explained there. So how might focusing on body functionality affect someone's body image? So what we're testing right now is whether um, focusing on body functionality helps to rebalance that shift in terms of focusing on appearance versus focusing on the functionality of your body. So in our appearance-focused culture, we're really trained to overemphasize and overvalue beauty, and we have these very narrow and unachievable ideas about what it means to be beautiful. And research has shown that kind of overvaluing appearance and learning to focus on predominantly the appearance of your body is related to a negative body image. So what we thought is that by training people to focus on body functionality, you can kind of reshift that body focus by helping people to not only emphasize their appearance, but also focus on what can my body do, and then thereby hopefully um, leading to a more positive body image. Another possibility is that thinking about all the things that your body can do can kind of foster gratitude and appreciation for your body. So when you think about all these different things your body can do, then you might be more likely to realize, hey, my body is actually doing all these great things for me that I find important. And actually, that's much more important than whether or not I'm a size zero, for example. So those are some of the ways that um, focusing on body functionality could lead to a more positive body image overall. Great. That's really useful. It sounds like body functionality can be a gateway to having a positive body image in yeah. some ways. So I know that part of your work here at CAR has been testing an intervention you developed called Expand Your Horizon, which is designed to train women to focus on the functionality of their body. Can you tell us a little bit about what the intervention entails and how it works? Yeah, so the intervention uh, comprises three online writing exercises, and each writing exercise focuses on two different domains of body functionality, so that in the whole intervention, people are focusing on all of those six domains that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And then within each exercise, people are asked to describe the functions that their body can perform uh, with respect to those two domains, and why those functions are personally meaningful to them. Um, so, for example, saying uh, my body is able to dance and that's important to me because dancing is a big part of who I am and it allows me to express myself. 
Um, and in each writing exercise, people are asked to write for at least 15 minutes, but they can spend as much time as it, on it as they want to. So in total, it only takes about 45 minutes across the course of one week. And our aim with the program is to, first of all, in the first instance, help people to focus on their body functionality, but also to focus on body functionality holistically. So not just focusing on you know, physical capacities and health, but all these other areas of body mm -hmm. functionality that they might not have thought of before. And then to help them connect their body functions to what they find meaningful and important. So that's basically it in a nutshell. Okay, great. So what have you found when you tested it? I, I know you first tested it with young women with body mm -hmm. image concerns. Yeah, that right. Yeah, so the first time we tested it was in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. um, we tested it with a group of 81 women between 18 and 30 who we had screened for having a very negative body image. Um, and participants were randomized to either complete the Expanded Horizon program or an active control program. And what we found was that participants in the intervention experienced improvements in various aspects of their body image, such as uh, increased body appreciation and uh, more satisfaction with their body and less self-objectification at post-test. And the improvements persisted at one week follow-up. So that was pretty promising. Yeah, great. Um, and now at CAR, um, <laughs> we've conducted, uh, basically we've tested the same intervention, but in a larger sample of women uh, based in the UK. So in total, we had 271 women take part in the study. Um, these were, again, women between 18 and 30 years old who were unhappy with their body. And uh, we were very happy because we were able to replicate the positive effects of the intervention on women's body image. And we even showed this time that the effects persisted at one month follow-up. So before we'd only tested a one-week follow-up, and now we've also included a longer-term follow-up. And I think that's really exciting considering that the program only takes like 45 minutes to complete and that it's delivered to women who have a negative body image. And yet you still see effects one month later. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was very happy about those yeah, results. Yeah, great. It's and it's definitely, definitely very promising and exciting. And um, replication is an important part of yes. interven <laughs> intervention work, so yeah. that's great. And so I know that you've also tested the same program with women with rheumatoid arthritis. Can you say a little bit about what uh, rheumatoid arthritis is and why you chose to test yeah. the program in this group? Yeah, so rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease that affects um, the joints, predominantly affects the joints of the body and causes pain and swelling and fatigue. And research has shown that women with rheumatoid arthritis actually experience significant concerns about their body, um, not only about the functioning of their body. For instance, my body can no longer do what I want it to do, mm -hmm. or um, it can do certain things, but not without a lot of pain and discomfort. But they also experience a lot of concerns with their appearance. So, for example, um, because of their symptoms of RA, they might have like swelling in their joints and start to walk differently, or they might experience deformities in their hands and feet mm -hmm. that other people might notice. And also due to medications, they might have certain symptoms that affect their body, for instance, causing them weight gain, or they might have to wear, for instance, special footwear that they feel is very unattractive and mm -hmm. makes them look less beautiful. So overall, RA can cause people to feel less happy about their body. But yet at the same time, research shows that people who are treating RA or who are involved in uh, women who have RA, they're not really paying attention to those body concerns or doing anything about it. Right. So what did you find when you tested the Expand Your Horizon program with um, women with rheumatoid arthritis? 
Yeah, so we just got the data in a few weeks ago, so it's really fresh data, and we're really excited oh, about yeah. it. Um, so the first analyses I've run have shown uh, that the intervention led to improvements in women's body image, um, again, at post-test and at one week and one month follow-up, so they felt more appreciative of their body, and they also saw their body as more connected to them, and they felt more satisfied with their body. Um, and we looked at how uh, participants evaluated the intervention, and for example, um, about 90% of women who took part in the intervention said that they would recommend it to other women with rheumatoid arthritis. So that was pretty ah, cool. Excellent. Yeah. Great. So what's next in your work on body functionality? Well, there's so much that I want to do, of course. Um, so the things that I'm thinking of in the coming months and years are, um, well, first of all, we just developed the functionality appreciation scale with Tracy Tilka and Ashley Krohn von Dienst in order to measure um, how much people appreciate their body functionality. Mm -hmm. So that's really exciting because it will hopefully help to facilitate more research on body functionality. Because there's uh -huh. still much more research about body image in terms of appearance and not that much about body functionality. Right. Um, another thing I'm really excited about is testing Expand Your Horizon in men. Um, so we have some very preliminary research from uh, the beginning of my PhD showing that just a brief um, one session exercise where men were asked to focus on their body functionality also led to improvements in aspects of their body image at post-test, but we haven't yet tested the full Expand Your Horizon program in men. And maybe another thing that I'm really excited about is looking at other ways to train people to focus on body functionality. So now people have been doing uh, riding exercises, mm -hmm. but maybe um, actually doing activities and at that time being mindful of what your body is doing for you could also be very beneficial. So for example, like exercise. Okay, so kind of going back to those six domains, kind of yeah, trying to yeah, maybe use yeah, some of exactly. those. Yeah, so oh, if nice. you're doing, I don't know, if you're doing yoga, then at that uh -huh. moment thinking about, oh, isn't it great that my body is enabling me to do this activity mm -hmm. that gives me um, feelings of relaxation and pleasure and so just bringing that focus to your daily activities. Okay, super. So on to our last question, and it's a serious one now. So <laughs> uh -oh. you've been a visiting researcher at CAR since last September, and our regular listeners will know that we have a regular coffee morning every Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So what has been your most memorable cake at coffee morning? <laughs> oh boy, that's a difficult question. Um, Tuesdays are my favourite day at work because of car cake and coffee. Um, <laughs> I would have to say that my favorite cake or most memorable cake so far has been Dai's chocolate beetroot cake. <laughs> I never knew that you could make a cake out of beetroot and it was really delicious and also just looked really beautiful, like this deep chocolatey red color. So that's definitely one I haven't forgotten. Uh-huh, yeah, Dai's quite a baker and a good choice to pick one of our co-directors. <laughs> yes, so, nice job. Score some brownie points there. <laughs> yeah, great. Okay, well, thanks, Jess, so much for joining us. It's been great talking to you. Thanks for having me. It's been nice to talk to you, too. Hmm, that was really interesting. Yeah, I really like Jess's six conceptualizations of body functionality and the point that she made about you don't have to be able-bodied to enjoy the benefits of body functionality. I think that was a really important point. Yeah, totally. Oh gosh, Jade, this episode has actually felt like a workout. I'm sweating. <laughs> Same, I need a lie down. Glad we stretched beforehand, Nadia. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, just quickly before we go, a few updates on our conference Appearance Matters 8. Abstract submission for paper and poster presentations are now closed, and you have until February 28th for discounted early bird registration rates. If you missed the abstract deadline, you can still submit an abstract for a late-breaking research poster up until April 4th, 2018. 
Check out the Appearance Matters website for more info. And a big thanks to our guests, Dr Jessica Oliva and Tanya Joseph, our two phenomenal women. Yep. And join us next time for our final episode of 2017, which will be a special one on mentorship in research. Fab.